1: Big guess. The big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, Weekdays 1230 to 3. 770 CHQR. It's funny. You think after 100 years of doing anything, you'd have a pretty good idea as to why you do it and whether you want to keep on doing it. As uh, pointed out in USA Today, daylight saving time is about to turn 100 was first enacted by the U.S. government March nineteenth, 1918, during World War I, as a way to conserve coal. Was well, is that why? I mean, there, there seem to be different rationales for why we have it or who wanted it or who's opposed to getting rid of it. Now, Alberta almost did. As we all know, just recently, there was a bill brought forward proposing to abolish daylight saving time. And there were hearings, there was all kinds of of discussion around this, and it, it seemed as though the government was prepared to embrace this. And then we decided very late in the process that, yeah, maybe not. Maybe not. And you get the sense that what kept Alberta back, what keeps other jurisdictions back from abandoning this process is we want everyone else to jump first, or we all want to jump together. And the idea of going it on your own seems... A little unnerving, I suppose. So as we get set to once again, this weekend, move the clocks forward an hour, have we just kind of reconciled ourselves to the idea that this is how it's always going to be? That we can talk about eliminating it, we can talk about abandoning this, this weird antiquated tradition. Or is it still a conversation worth having? Our next guest has done a lot of research on this, written an interesting uh, commentary for the C.D. Howe Institute on the daylight savings debate that will not die. Blake Schaefer, a Ph.D. candidate, the University of Calgary Fellow in Residence at the C.D. Howe Institute, cdhow.org. Blake, thanks so much for joining us here. Thanks for having me, Rob. Uh, as you say, the debate won't die, but is that all we're doing? Are we just talking or is, is there any action we can point to anywhere?
0: Well, yeah, it seems like twice a year, this uh, debate flares up, and then we grumble, and then about a week later, we sort of acquiesce and then go on in our new time zone. Um, You're right. I I had no idea, actually, that it was a 100-year anniversary. You you tuned me into something interesting. I'm going to have to go out and get some cake to celebrate 100 years of daylight savings. (laughs) Um, But I think you kind of hit the nail on the head in terms of the original rationale was largely to do with energy savings. I mean, there's, there's lots of things, but... Probably the government reason for putting it in was that it would save energy. So um, shifting light later in the day effectively uh, meant we save energy in the evening. But, of course, there's a trade-off. It gets a bit darker in the morning, but the idea was a lot of that morning light was wasted. A lot of of lifestyles are such that uh, that light came up when we were still sleeping. So shifting later would be a benefit, and the cost wasn't going to be that great. And so we've seen over the years a lot of justifications for daylight savings uh, related to war times where it's about saving energy. And even more recently, when George Bush expanded daylight savings, it used to run April to October, and then he pushed it out to March to November, which yep. Canada copied. It was part of the U.S. Energy Act. So it's all been related to energy policy. And I think more and more we're, we're finding maybe the uh, research evidence doesn't really bear that out, that it's so much of an energy policy anymore.
1: Well, and it seems like an odd way of, of having any kind of energy policy. I mean, if we want to encourage energy consumption, energy efficiency, it would seem that we have an abundance of policy tools at our disposal. So to focus on what time it is, it seems seems really weird.
0: I, I agree with you. In my, in, my, uh, in my study where I showed sort of the effect of daylight savings on, in my case, I looked at electricity use, just, um, and I showed that – it actually, in the case of Alberta, and I think we, we might have talked about this previously, I find daily savings actually increases our electricity use in Alberta. So Alberta is a bit of an outlier. It ha- has to do with, like I said, that trade-off between morning and evening. And in Alberta, we tend to wake up early. Our sun rises late just as a function of where we are in the time zone. So we have a heavy morning energy cost. And I, And I relate that back to other energy efficiency policies, um, like LED light bulbs, and kind of show put it in context and say, you know, we're 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 all shifting our clocks a full hour here when just sort of stopping the switch could be as much as uh, a large fraction of the LED program here in Alberta, and obviously a much lower cost of just simply changing DST policy.
1: So, th- But let's delve in on this a little bit more, because it seems mm-hmm. weird that that uh, daylight saving time would reduce electricity use in Toronto, but it would mm-hmm. actually increase use in Alberta. Are Alberta and Ontario really that much different? Yeah, surprisingly,
0: they are. Um, so, you know, When I started my study, it was prompted by another one uh, from a prof, uh, Nick Rivers, at University of Ottawa. He looked at Ontario specifically and tried to do an estimate of is daylight savings really performing as we desire it to and saving us uh, electricity and he finds in ontario it does i think about one and a half percent of electricity use is saved by that shifting forward so we use less light in the evening and the morning cost isn't great and i thought i should just replicate that in alberta i thought just out of curiosity and i well what i found was the opposite result and it made me question well why would we get that in alberta and that's what me to do a pan-canadian study incorporating um, times uh, when people wake up in their respective regions, as well as typical sun times during these transition periods. And it does vary quite significantly. So Alberta has one of the later sunrises. So during the spring transition, is around 7 a.m., whereas in Toronto, it's around 6.30. Um, go even further east within the eastern time zone, so head to Quebec, and it gets even earlier. And when you look at wake-up times, Alberta, maybe we like to pride ourselves on be hardworking, but we, we, uh, we get up quite early to get to our work. Uh, it's probably a consequence of trying to work some eastern hours. Mm-hmm. Whereas in Toronto, they, the, they get up about 25 minutes later on average than Albertans. So that combination means that when we shift forward during the daylight savings transition in Alberta, that means there's a fair number of people that are awake, the sun would have been up, but now it's been darkened on them, so there's a cost. Whereas in Ontario, there's a larger proportion of people that are sleeping during <laughs> during sunlit hours, and by shifting it, it hasn't cost them really anything. In fact, it might be a saving. They don't have to close the blinds on them when they when they sleep. So th- those, those sort of half an hour here, half an hour there really does make a difference in terms of timing.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. Although, I mean, I, I suppose this is a, a limited phenomenon because by May, June... It's kind of all a moot point then, right? When when the days get really long and when the sun is up really, really early in the morning, th- this wouldn't be an issue anymore.
0: You're absolutely right. So then then the trade-off becomes a bit more balanced, and then it becomes more of a latitude question. So uh, as you say, in, in Canada, the days are so long that when you shift is, is more of a moot point. I, I think one of the things that we're seeing now in the discussion around daylight savings, even though we focused on energy or electricity because that's sort of the root reason, that's sort of less important, and, and, and regardless of the savings here or there, a lot of it's due to lighting, and as we you know, increase more of our share of LED lights, which use one-tenth of the energy of incandescence, shifting lighting demand is really not going to be that consequential. So the more we get LEDs, it's less consequential. What we're seeing now is studies coming out talking about the health benefits of, of time zones. So one of the more interesting ones is a study from... Um, professor SFU and co-author and they find the increased evening light leads to increased outdoor physical recreational activity actually 10% increase in caloric burn so they're actually getting some take-up as in terms of DS daylight savings being considered more of a health policy than an energy policy and I think that's sort of the direction that we will be headed on uh, around that though regardless of which way we switch it, if we go permanently forward to get that benefit they talked about or permanently back, one of the things that is clear is the the transition itself. So just the act of changing forward and back twice a year has costs, Uh, let alone the nuisance costs that I certainly face as a dad of three kids. It's very troubling. Um, There's there's tangible measured costs. There's a great study in the States uh, two years ago that that found a 6% increase in fatal car accidents. Uh, in the two weeks after the daylight saving switch and it was attributed to uh, sleep deprivation and changing sleep patterns. There's also a study in the New England Journal of Medicine that found a significant increase in the number of heart attacks and again it's changing sleeping rhythms that has um, uh, a significant effect on, on people's health. So Eliminating the act of changing would have these benefits in itself. And then the question that Alberta grappled with and ultimately never came to consensus was, do we permanently shift forward or permanently stay back? And I think that debate, even though there's evidence on both sides, kind of comes down to opinions over who's a morning person and who's yes. an evening person.
1: <laughs> well, it's interesting. And, and you point out in, in your piece today, and we've seen some headlines about it, European Union is is evaluating this. So that would be, I, I think, all member states if they do decide to make the change.
0: Yeah, and that comes to, you touched on this, uh, uh, coordination. I think that's one of the things where, and probably the you know the nail in the coffin for Alberta mo- making a change was doing it yourself, even though I guess we have our neighbors to the east uh, that we would share with, um, has a disruption so there's benefits of having coordinated time zones and the eu looking at this collectively kind of deals with that issue of of the coordination problem Um, i pointed out i think in that piece too over about half of the u.s states have legislation or at least recommendations um, to consider making changes to the daylight savings policy but most of them come with conditions about we will change if our regional states change. So Massachusetts being a great example, they actually have legislation to make this change, um, but only if the other New England states join with them. So you know, it's an interesting sort of first mover problem, but you know, coordination is one of the key things and what time zones offer us.
1: Yeah, they're interesting. Well, people can read your piece. Uh, it's at cdhow.org. Blake, thanks for joining us here today. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Take care. Blake Schaefer, fellow in residence at the C.D. Howe Institute, also Ph.D. candidate at the University of Calgary. Done a lot of research uh, on the DST question and did find that, interestingly, in Alberta, we find that moving the clocks ahead of an hour increases electricity use. Because we got that extra period of darkness in the morning where we're up, we're awake, having our coffee, getting ready for the day, and we're using more electricity because of uh, how dark it is. Yet, interestingly, in Ontario, uh, saved electricity. So is it about electricity use? He talked about the health benefits. Are we designing this policy around health benefits? Or should we just stop kidding ourselves? It's not about either. We just do it because we do. We just do it because we've always done it. And everybody else does. So on it goes. 974-8255 is our number. We are back with more right after this.